0: Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and you can give by clicking the link below. But for now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. I give you glory for all you've grown. I'm ready for whatever you want to do I'm moving forward When darkness tries to roll over my bone, when sorrow comes to steal the joy me, when brokenness and pain is all I know, oh, I won't be shaken, oh, I won't be shaken, cause my fear doesn't stand a chance.
1: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Yes, I love it so much. This is a rowdy bunch. I love it. Uh, I love that. Um, For those I haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Gus Bishop, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at the Vine Church. And um, I I am really overwhelmed and excited about this series, One Till Everyone, because this is something that goes back to the the heart of who we are are as Divine Church. And I'm excited about it for a couple of reasons. Uh, one I'll share with you is personal because what the Lord has is, is just revealed to me in prep for this series is that he wants to push me and stretch me into more uncomfortable places. And because what we know is we got to be okay with going to uncomfortable places with God, right? And it doesn't mean that he's not peace. Peace is there, but stretching us to uncomfortable places. Because if we get so comfortable in our walk with the Lord, then we have no need for the comforter. Amen. And so I'm super excited about this. Uh, I actually just kind of want to open us in prayer this morning. Um, So let's do that. Dad, we just thank you so much uh, for your love, your grace, your mercy, your goodness. We thank you so much for uh, the very breath of life that you chose to breathe into our lungs so that we can live. And dad, I just thank you, Lord. I just thank you for the relationship that we get to have, this ongoing, growing relationship that we get to have with you because of the work of your son, Jesus Christ. And that if there's anyone here this morning that is, is, is feeling any type of sickness or pain or illness, or maybe is uh, in a struggle and circumstance or that's stolen their joy, that we just pray that your Holy Spirit would come, have your way, bring healing and wholeness. In Jesus' name. And I'll agree with that prayer said. All right, listen, if if you've been around the Vine for any length of time, and what I actually mean by that is actually less than five minutes ago, our student, Pastor Pedro, is on stage welcoming us in worship this morning. You know what our mission is here at the Vine. It is making disciples, making disciples, right? And why is that? Why is that? Because Jesus himself in Matthew 28 said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, of all nations. And how many of us know that that command, that commission was not just for the disciples in Jesus' day, it's for Jesus' disciples today, right? As a matter of fact, all the instructions that Jesus gave and commands and commissions that he gave his disciples in his day are for us today. One of my favorite scriptures in in, in in the Bible is John 17. It's a chapter, I love it because here's why. It is Jesus' prayer. It is his conversation with the Father on behalf of his kids, on behalf of his disciples. And I just want to read two verses to you from that. It's John 17, verses 20 through 21. He says, I do, this is Jesus talking to the Father. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they that they may all be one, just as you, Father, in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. See, what Jesus is saying with these pronouns, he's saying, I do not ask for these only. I do not ask for these disciples that are right here in front of me today, but I also ask for those who will come to believe in me because of their word. And so what he's saying is he's saying, not just these But as they share and make disciples that make disciples, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples until one day, one Sunday morning at one church in two locations, those commissions and those commands and instructions land on us as his sons and daughters. And at TVC, at the Vine Church, like we've come up with this mission statement of making disciples, making disciples. And we've come up with that. Let me explain to you why it's making disciples and not made disciple, making disciples. It's because we are all in this constant state of being made to become more like Jesus, right? And as we're called to become more like Jesus, we're being made to become more like Jesus, we are called to actually play a part in making people become more like Jesus as well. Making disciples, making disciples, But what we know is so often in in church world and in people and businesses and corporations, like we can lose sight of the mission, right? We can lose focus of the mission. And that's why we we develop mantras. We develop mantras. And a mantra helps make a mission statement memorable. And so we're going to share with you this morning just some some mantras that we're going to to kind of go through and see if you know who these belong to. Uh, The first one is this, be your way. No one 915 knew that one either. How about this? That recently just got changed from Have It Your Way. Hey, there we go. There it is, Burger King. All right, what about this one? Obey Your Thirst. Huh? Sprite, Sprite, Sprite drinkers in the house. There you go. Um, What about this one? A rich and rewarding coffee experience. Starbucks, guys. Are you kidding me? How many of you drink Starbucks? How many of you go to Starbucks? Oh, we need to send an email. That just doesn't work for them. All right, here we go. What about this one? Mobile first, cloud first. Mmm, oh, I know. Microsoft. Microsoft. This actually has just been changed to intelligent cloud. So that's Microsoft. All right, what about this one? Think different. Oh, guys. <laughs> How how many of you have an iPhone? Apple. It's Apple. Oh, what? Come on, guys. What about this one? One tell everyone. The Vine Church. There we go. We thought we might catch you off guard with that one, but we didn't. The reason we developed this mantra of making disciples, making disciples (laughs) is because we we look at Jesus' words in the Great Commission, go make disciples of all nations of all people, the entire world, right? And to an individual and even to a church, that can feel like it's something that's unattainable. It can feel like it's something that is just not able to be reached. And so what we did was we said, how can we take our mission of making disciples, making disciples, and and just simplify that a little bit to create a mantra that would help remind us of that. And so what we said was, what if we take, what if we just approach our walk with the Lord and take one person, share the love of the Father, with one person until everyone comes to know the love of the Father in and through Jesus Christ, right? And so we, then we take that, we smash that down to one till everything. And that's where we came up with our mantra here of one till everything. We've even figured out a way and come up with a way to help you identify who your ones are. And if, if you've been here for any length of time, you've probably heard us say this word, this Greek word that doesn't deal with yogurt, any other dairy product, but it's oikos, Right? The Greek word oikos, and what it literally translates into is an extended household or sphere of influence. Here at the Vine, we've taken it, we've kind of shaped it where it's this. This is our definition of oikos. Our eight to 15, unchurched, non-believing, family members, friends, co-workers, classmates, and neighbors. And I, I want to make sure we hit those two words, unchurched and non-believing, because it's imp- this is important to who we are as a church and our identity as followers of Jesus. Uh, let me give you an example. Like, I, I love our student pastor, Pedro, right? Everyone else loves Pedro. Say, I love you, Pedro. Okay, see, everybody loves you. makes you feel so good, right? Um, but I love Pedro. I, I love Pastor David. I love Pastor Andrew. I, I love my wife and my kids, but they all have a relationship with the Lord, so they're not a part of my oikos. Does that make sense? Okay, you okay, good, 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 good. But that doesn't mean that I don't love them. It doesn't mean that I don't invest in them. It doesn't mean that I don't do life with them. They're just in a different group of people in my life, right? And so I want to be clear and very gentle with this next part. Me too. Yes, totally. I love that. Um, I want to be clear and gentle with this part. I, I get these two statements a lot. Gus, my... I just don't have anybody in my oikos that doesn't already have a relationship with the Lord. They all have a relationship with the Lord. First things first is based on our definition of oikos. They can't be a part of your oikos if they have a relationship with the Lord, right? And, and so then the next one is this. Um, Gus, like, I, I, I've shared the love of Christ with everyone in my oikos. Like, and they're, they're presently, they're going to church somewhere or they have their own walk with the Lord and, and so I just don't have anyone else that's a part of my oikos. It could be a part of my oikos. Well, that's not true. That's not true. Because Jesus takes care of that, and we're going to look at how he does. Uh, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. A fun fact here is Jesus is not referring to a neighbor that lives next door to you in the, in the house next door to you. See, this word neighbor, Jesus primarily spoke Aramaic, and this word neighbor translated in Aramaic is the word kareb, which literally translated into the English language means the one who is close to you. Right, the one who is close to you. And he's not talking about a relational closeness, not talking about an emotional closeness. He's literally talking about a proximity. It's a proximity word. I did this at the first service, and <laughs> but I'm going to do it here. The person back there in the first service, them and Pedro were actually friends, but I'm going to use this as an example. All right, Pedro, the person sitting in the way back corner over there, right? Y'all don't know each other, but because you can see them and they can see you, guess what? Now y'all are neighbors. Right? And so, Anyone that I see and can see me, they're my neighbor. So I want you to take around, look around the room. Just look around the room and just wave to everybody. Go, hey neighbor. hey, neighbor. There you go. All right, cool. Awesome. But here's the deal. That just doesn't stop right here. When we leave here and we go out to lunch, when you go out to lunch and that person cuts you off and takes your parking space, they're your neighbor. <laughs> And we're called to love them as we love ourselves. And the way we love ourselves is by seeing ourselves and loving ourselves the way the Heavenly Father sees us and loves us. They're your neighbor. And listen, I I totally understand this process. Let me tell you how hard it is for me as a pastor to, to structure and develop an oikos. I get it, right? All of my coworkers, they know the Lord. They better. They should, right? And if they don't, then we need to have a conversation about that. My family, my wife, my kids, my parents, my father-in-law, my brother, his kids, my cousins, first cousins, like they all have a walk with the Lord. I know I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Now maybe there's some second and third cousins out there that I don't know about that don't, but I don't get a chance to talk to them every day. So my coworkers, my family, and I know y'all are going to find this hard to believe, but I know I look real young, but I'm not in high school or college, so I have no classmates. (laughs) I don't have any. So think about this. My coworkers, my family, my classmates, none of them can be a part of my Oikos. But I've got friends And I've got a few friends who who don't know the Lord and I'm developing and growing that relationship because I want them to know what I know about who I am as a son of God. But that's just a couple of friends, a few friends, right? Jesus gets us with that neighbor thing because it's who I see and who sees me, they are now my neighbor. And I'm called to love and show them. They're part of my oikos, right? And so for me, I've had to strategically position myself in places so that I can expand my oikos, right? And, and some of you may know this. I have a little bit of a coffee addiction, and, and so I like to hang out at a local coffee house in the area, and I'm up there pretty much, uh, some people call it my second office. I would call it my first office, right? Because um, I'm up there probably three or four times a week, but it's strategically done that way because I need to expand my oikos. We've established oikos. We've established the definition of it. Now let's look at what the scripture tells us in regards to why it's important to pursue our oikos and share Jesus with our oikos. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible or Bible app, the words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, I just want to encourage you. If you don't have a Bible here or with you or one at home, uh, I just want to encourage you when you leave here this morning, if you go out those double doors, you can stop by our guest services desk or you can stop by our cafe counter, and, and we have free copies of the Bible. Just take one. Take one because what we know and we believe here at the Divine Church is the Word of God does not return void. The Word of God with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and power of the Holy Spirit in us will change our lives forever for the better. And we'll eventually begin to change the lives of those around us forever. For the better, as we become more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, so I want to give you a little context. We're actually going to be starting at verse 38. It'll be on the screen in just a second. I want to give you a little context of what's happening here, what we're about to walk into. Um, Jesus and his disciples have sailed across the sea. Uh, They've landed on the shore of a region called the Gerasenes. And this is what they are met with when they step off the boat: A man with no clothes on, speaking in many voices, because he has many demons that are living inside of him. And they, so many demons, they call themselves legion. No clothes on, he's got broken chains and shackles hanging from him because people in the area were so scared of him, they tried to seize him and control him, but they, he's, so, he's so possessed and supernaturally strong that he's able to break these chains off. And so everybody looks at this guy like he's crazy. He's messed up, right? And they look at him and he, because he's living in tombs, he's living in the graveyard, and so they look at him and they're scared of him and they're afraid of him. But I want to press pause for a second because let me tell you what Jesus does when he gets off the boat. He looks right past the dirt, right past the demonization, right past the difference, and sees the eternal value of the man. Sees the treasure and the gold that is in the man. And so Jesus goes on and he casts out these demons, casts them out, casts them into a herd of pigs and a herd of pigs goes walking down to the lake and drown and they kill themselves. You would think that everybody in this area would be excited and happy about that, right? It's not what happened. They were angry. They were frightened because this is why. They saw more potential value in the the herd of pigs that just died instead of the eternal value and potential of the man that Jesus just saved. And I don't think that it's ironic that we're in this scripture this morning when we just finished a series called Running From God about Jonah, where Jonah was getting so upset with the Lord because uh, he wanted to have more pity on a plant than pity on 120,000 people in Nineveh because they were different. So I wanna challenge us this morning. When we look at people, it doesn't matter how different they are. It doesn't matter how dirty they are. It doesn't matter what kind of sin they're in. It doesn't matter. We have to stop, see past the dirt, past the mess, past the differences, and see them for their eternal potential value in the kingdom of God. Because that's what Jesus does. Oh, man, and that's what Jesus did for me. Had He just let me just sit there, not seeing something inside of me that I couldn't see myself. Had he not just reached in and and identified and placed value on my potential in the kingdom. There is a good literal chance that I would not be here. That I would be dead. But instead, because he's good, I get to stand before you this morning and just share the good news of Jesus. So, Jesus casts out the demons. Everybody's mad. Everyone's angry. They were trying to get them to get the, Jesus and his disciples to leave. And that's where we walk into the story, starting in verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, that he might stay with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home. Return to your family. Return to your friends. Return to your oikos. Jesus said, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Guys, (laughs) this once dirty, demonized maniac is now a messenger and missionary for Jesus Christ. And there's a couple of things that we can learn from this man this morning. And the first is this, if you're taking notes. An encounter with the Savior is worth shouting about. An encounter with the Savior is worth shouting about. Because this story could have looked different, right? What would have happened if this man who Jesus just healed, who Jesus just saved, what if he would have... I'll put it in some modern terms for us. What if he would have come to church, encountered Jesus, gone home, gone to work the next day, and his mindset would have been, hey, someone else, someone else can pray for and show the love of Jesus to my family. Someone else can pray for and show the love of Jesus to my friends. Someone else can pray for and show the love of Jesus to my classmates. Someone else can show the love of Jesus and pray for my neighbors. Someone else can show the love of Christ and pray for my city. See, what happened, we don't necessarily know in Luke's account, but in Mark's account, if you go and you read Mark chapter 7, you'll see that when Jesus actually came back around with his disciples to this, this region, people were more accepting to receive him for who he was. The power of oikos, the power of one till everyone. This man, listen, Jesus just asked him to go where? Home. He went throughout the whole city proclaiming the good news, proclaiming what Jesus had done for him. I need you to bear with me. This, this one may sting a little bit. This one uh, stung me a little bit when the Lord was speaking it to me. Okay. <laughs> we can't pass our personal responsibility to share Christ with our oikos off to someone else. Can't do that. Listen, it's not your responsibility to come to the coffee house that I'm at and share your story, your encounters with Jesus to my oikos, my sphere of influence. And it's not my responsibility to come to your workplace, to your home, to your neighbors. That's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. We have to start taking personal responsibility for our walk in Christ, our walk with Christ, in our sharing of Christ. Listen, if we've had an encounter with Jesus, it's going to be something we want to share and shout. I know what he saved me from. And I know what he saved me to. It is worth sharing with people. It is worth pushing past the fear. with people, I get it. Listen, sharing Jesus with people feels risky. It feels scary. But if you're taking notes, let me give you a definition of fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real, right? And why do you think we see in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, the command, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Fear not, do not be afraid. It's not because the fear is never gonna be there. Fear is gonna be there. If the fear wasn't there, we'd have no reason for the command of do not be afraid. But when fear comes, we've got to do not be afraid and fear not and push through that fear. Because when we choose to put our faith in fear, we're choosing not to put our faith in the Father. And fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. But I get it. I get it. Listen, I was at Mocha Moe's one day and I was working. If you've ever come up there, you see me up there. I typically would go to the same spot every time. And I go to, there's like a little high top bar that runs alongside the window, the front entrance. And I typically go there and I set myself up in the corner and and I do that for this reason. Like I'm trying to be good guys. I'm trying to be obedient to what the Lord asked me to do. And so as as people try to start walking in, I'm, I'm trying to remember to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want for them? Lord, how can I be an agent of your love towards that person? Is there something that you want to say to this person as they're coming in? I try. I miss it, guys, but I try. And so one day I'm working, and this couple walks in, and this guy's like 6'5", and he's like jerked out of his mind. He's huge. And he walks in, him him and his, I'm assuming his wife walk in, and Um, I'm like, Lord, do you have something for them? Is there something you want me to share with them? And the Lord said, I want you to go tell him that he casts a huge shadow wherever he goes. And I was like, (laughs) holy spirit, pump the brakes a little bit because that could be taken so out of context. And this guy is big, (laughs) right? And I'm sitting there and, and I'm listening. Do you have something else to go with that? You know, help me out, you know, and, he goes I want you to go tell him that he casts a huge shadow wherever he goes. Wow. And so what happens? Fear and anxiety. Oh, what? It's there. But I have to remember all the times it's been there before and all the times it was faithful when I took a step of obedience. And so I have to push through do not be afraid, Gus, do not be afraid. Push through the fear. So I walk up to this man after, after he gets his coffee. You know what I mean? And I'm like, hey, sir. <laughs> so listen, um, my name is Gus, and I'm a, local, I'm a pastor of a church in the local area. And, um, I've, and I just feel like I'm trying to be more obedient. I'm trying to listen to the Lord and be more obedient when he asks me to do things. And I said, so you're the lucky guy today. And I feel like that the Lord wants me to tell you something. But I need you to understand, if if you feel like it's not for you, that's totally okay. And then I asked for permission to share it. And he said, sure, go ahead. I said, okay. (laughs) Push through, right? Push through. Take take that step of faith. And I said, the Lord wants you to know that you cast a huge shadow wherever you go. Now, press pause for a second. Because here's what I want you to know when I, statement just fell off my lips, the Lord just began to download all this personal information about this man that there's no way I could have known and there's no way anyone else could have known. And through words of knowledge, just begins to download all this stuff to me, right? And here's what I realized in the moment. If I will be obedient to the little thing he's asked me to do, then he can trust me with much more. Come on. Unpause, play, okay? And, and, and so... I share that with him. And so the long story short of it is I was like, listen, you cast a huge shadow wherever you go. But it's not, it not, doesn't create fear in people it doesn't create intimidation to people. It's actually a shadow that provides this coolness, this refreshness. People flock to you because they feel safe when they're in your shadow and under your covering. And this big six foot five man Tears begin to well up in his eyes, and he begin, tears start running down his cheeks, and the lady is with tears are running down her cheeks and the next thing I know he just picks me up and he grabs me and he starts squeezing on me, my little legs are hanging and dangling like this, hanging and dangling like this, right and, and I'm sitting there and for, had it been thirty seconds, I'm like, "Oh man, okay, all right, puts me down, he's weeping, sobbing, puts me down, and I go, listen, that obviously meant something to you, but even if it didn't, what the Lord wants you to know is he had me come over here and talk to you because he wants you to know that he knows you, he loves you, and he believes in you. Guys, I get the fear. I get it. But we have to be open to expanding our oikos to people. And listen, if we've had an encounter with the Savior, we've got to push through the fear and shout about it. We've got to push through the fear and share it because there is a world that is dying to know that they are known, loved, and believed in by a heavenly father, a good father, who loved them so much that he sent his son to take the place of them. The second thing that we can learn from this man today is this, our oikos should never be empty. Our oikos should never be empty. This once demonized maniac not only went back to his family, but he went back through the whole city, the whole region, proclaiming what Jesus had done for him. Our oikos should always be expanding. Listen, as long as there are people alive on planet Earth who don't know the love of the Father and in through Jesus Christ, we have this personal responsibility to share that with them always expanding. And Jesus is not gonna let us off the hook with it because he's already covered the neighbor's part. He's already covered the neighbor's part. Everywhere we go is a sphere of influence. Every person we see and that sees us is an opportunity. And as the band comes back up, I just wanna share with you um, a story. See, I get making disciples, making disciples. I get our mission. I get our mantra of one till everyone is a a reminder to help me remember what my mission is and help me stay focused on my mission. I get it. But guys, I'm also a little special. And so sometimes the Lord has to just like break things down a little bit easier for me. And so in my quiet time and prep for this series, I just, I I felt the Lord say this. Gus, I need to stretch you. Gus, I need to press you to uncomfortable places. I need to teach you how to expand your oikos in a different way. I said, Okay. He said, my son, and typically when the Lord speaks to me with my son, I know it's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to cut just my heart a little bit. But he's so tender and he's so good. He says, my son, when one is one, so when O-N-E is W-O-N, to my kingdom and my family, replace one. I need you to know his heart. Like he's having to speak to me with this, so I'm, I'm a little thick sometimes. So he's speaking to me this way. And it, listen, it's not about treating people like projects. He's saying, he said, Gus. Like, listen, I, I need you to chase after them. I need you to. Re- to, to, to when one is one to my family and my kingdom, I need you to replace that one. Move the one that just was one to my kingdom into a different relationship with you and replace the one in that oikos, that moved from oikos to the family. And, and here's what's important. He said, Gus, he goes, I need you to treat them like they're worthy, like they're valued, because I sacrificed myself on the cross for them. So Gus, can you please sacrifice your own fear of embarrassment for them? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because see, I remember what my life was. I remember what he saved me from and what he saved me to. And I want the whole world to know that that they can have it. They can have a loving relationship with their heavenly father in and through the work of Jesus Christ. Driving in this morning, I, I, I felt the Lord uh, just kind of say, kind of lay this out and say this. He's like, Gus, I want to spread my children out. I want to lay my children out so that they can be a landing pad for my glory. So, if we'll commit to this process in this series, listen, yes, he's going to challenge us. Yes, we'll be challenged. He'll stretch us. He'll press us out. He'll stretch us out. But ultimately, as sons and daughters of God, we want to be a landing pad for his glory. I'm in the process of finishing a book that it's going to be required reading for our second year students of the Vine School of Supernatural Ministry. And I want to share a paragraph with you because I think it applies to this series. It says, Hope lies in the ever-present reality that the Lord is ready to move on behalf of a humble, renewed church. He is not reluctant to move in our cities and nations. Instead, He waits for us to overcome our reluctance And move into full agreement with his desires to revive and reform. This cultural revolution begins in the hearts of individuals, spreads to the family, invades the bride of Christ, invades the church, and soon becomes an irresistible force and love in our societies. But it must first be real in our hearts to have any authority to evade our workplaces our schools, our universities, our homes. And guys, listen, he is dreaming, dreaming of sons and daughters that will stretch themselves out and be a landing pad for his glory.